Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Jarowski Show. As I speak, it's Thursday, December 16th. Yes, I got it right. That's because my distinguished guest helped me out a little bit. The headline uh, in the New York Times, as I speak, Epstein, Maxwell photos shown in court over defense objections, just laying Maxwell's sex trafficking trial. Uh, all about her relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. We're not going to talk about that, but that's what's in the headlines. I urge everybody to check out uh, my interview that I did with Leonard Goodman on this one. This is a classic Ben Jarofsky interview. We took the deep dive on Jeffrey Epstein, what a sleaze he is. But no sleaze today. I have a distinguished guest. I'm very proud to have him on. So as I always do, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Well, hello, Ben Jarofsky. Uh, <laughs> this is Scott Duff. I am the host and producer of Out Chicago on WCPT, and I'm also a uh, stand-up and actor around town. Yes, and he's a very funny man. Lots, no, no yeah. pressure on you. None whatsoever. Girl, the last time I was on your show, I was so depressed after the election. It's been about a year. Yeah. It was right after the election, and I was like, I'm so sad. Yes. Because <laughs> like everyone hates everybody. Yes. Well, are you less sad now? Uh, sure. How about sad for different reasons? Okay. But that's okay. <laughs> There's no political We, we don't reason. need to get into that. Yes. I'm not your therapist, Scott. I'm just <laughs> you can be, though. Humble podcast. You can be for the low, low price of $125 an hour. <laughs> Wait a minute. I got to pay you for the right to be your therapist? No, I'll pay you. I'll pay oh, you. Okay. I'll take it. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I don't recall you being uh, – okay, let me just back up. Uh, anybody who's listened to me uh, ever since I got in front of a microphone uh, knows that Scott Duff is a regular. Uh, when I had a, my show on WCPT, uh, before they decided to head it, take it in a different direction, as they say, uh, Scott was – every month, <laughs> every month, this man came on this show. We closed out Fridays. My memory was like a Friday thing. I would just yeah. Uh, and Doctor D would be running the board. <laughs> I am producer Dennis. <laughs> uh, and uh, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> 
Sam, this is only a podcast because if only people could see what you were doing there. No, I. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. That was me doing the production. Actually, oh, yeah, okay. I was channeling Nate. DJ Nate is the producer of this particular episode. And he's a DJ, and I've seen DJ Nate and Nate uh, in action. By the way. <laughs> with the DJ thing going. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm sure he is- looks much cooler than that. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't take much, Scott Duff. Doesn't take much. <laughs> no, not at all, Ben Jarowski. Uh, so you would come on. We would just, we'd had a whole list of things to talk about. And if we got to half of them, it would be a miracle. We never talked about any of them, no, actually. And- <laughs> <laughs> uh, so before we t- uh, get started with the number one topic that you gave me before we went on, on the air, uh, which I would be happy to see wherever that leads, uh, promote anything you want to promote. Uh, comedy shows you're doing, your, your radio show, uh, yeah. which, anything, anything you want to uh, yeah, promote. Yeah, yeah, cool. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you can catch me every Sunday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on WCPT AM 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk. Uh, I co-host a show called Out Chicago, which basically is Sunday brunch with your gay best friends. We talk politics, current events, culture, pop culture, a lot of pop culture, uh, and just a whole bunch of gay stuff. Uh, so that's awesome. And you can also catch me. I am now hosting a brand new night of comedy at the Venus Cabaret Theater on Southport, which is a part of the Mercury Theater. Uh, that's the third Sunday of every month. Actually, when this drops, I got a show that night at 730 at the Venus Cabaret Theater. It's only 15 bucks and it's the best uh, comics around. We've had a lot of people who've been on HBO, Comedy Central, NBC, NPR, CVS, whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, QVC, all that stuff. Everything. Well, uh, come check it out. Yeah, check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Scott Duff's a very funny man. Uh, And um, I'm sure it's a great show. All right. there's a couple of topical, they're not that topical. You've been on, it's been too long since you've been on the show, but since the, you're a comedian and you talk a lot about uh, gay issues, uh, we're going to bring up Dave Chappelle and we're going to bring up Jesse Smollett, but I'm going to start. We'll see if we get to those two, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm going to start with something that you said to me uh, about uh, 10 minutes ago when I called you to see what was on your mind. And uh, you're saying you're a news detox. And I said, hold it right there. Save it for the show. Uh, you, when I, back in the, in the day, uh, when you, uh, you and I would talk every month, you were pretty much a news junkie. And I could uh, anticipate that you would have been following obsessively, at least the national news, uh, and even to a certain degree, the local news. Uh, so what does it mean for a news junkie to in, be a news detox? Dude, I was in a, a bad place, you know? It was one of those things where it's like, with the last five years with that, that the last administration, I don't even want to say his name, you know? But it was just like, it just felt like everything was life or death. And, and I was just consuming so much media, whether it be, you know, CNN, Fox, C, uh, like MSNBC, like all of the different news channels, like the, you know, the Reader, the New York Times, like all sort of, I was just taking it all in. And I just kind of became overwhelmed by everything. There was just a lot of shit going on. And for my own mental health, I had to take a step back, you know? So basically what I did is instead of, you know, just totally mainlining uh, news for 
eight hours a day. I've taken it back to about maybe one or two hours a day. So I still know what's going on, but it's just one of those things where I had to like just stop for my own, you know, state of mind and my own well-being and just be like, all right, let's just let's take a pause, fill our brain with some other stuff. So, you know, yeah. Uh, I've I've gone through similar uh, moments, and it, they're generally moments with me, not long term things. But like, let's say, like I'm, like I said, I'm in California right now. So that transition from Chicago to California is like a day or two, maybe a day, where I'm not up on the news, and and then I start getting back on the news. So what I've discovered that I've been obsessed with news, following news for so long, Scott, that I could take a week off. You, I could come back. I, I. A week out with no news, come back a week later, see the headline, and know the story. It's be- yeah, oh yeah. H- same thing with you. Same thing with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. And like, and I totally get that. Like, that it's the really frustrating thing is, especially when you're following anything in politics, is you could take that same week off and nothing has changed. <laughs> Not a damn thing has changed. Yeah. You know, you still got Kristen Cinema being like a, a douchebag, and you've got you know mansion up there like trying not to say anything so that just is horrible you know it's like nothing changes and that's part of the thing that where i had to really take the big detox all right so uh you said it was uh it was almost to the point of depressing just dealing with the uh uh nonstop negativity emerging from donnie trump i'll say i said the name you can uh, say his name it's fine are are you able to convert MAGA, the MAGA movement, Donnie Trump, uh, et cetera, and all his little minions, are you able to convert them into comedy or is it just too painful? Well, I mean, yeah, you can pretty much spin anything into comedy if you you are able to do that. What I found right now is that audiences don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> you know, it's like we've just been seeped for five years with that, you know, giant puckering butthole you know <laughs> of a human being <laughs> like, like we've had to listen to him for so long and when people want to go out they're go there you know go to a club they want to go to a club and forget about that they don't want to hear about it they, and they definitely don't want to hear my hot takes on the january 6th committee or whatever it is you know like yeah. So, I mean, you can pretty much spin anything into, into something funny, but I tend to steer clear of doing any sort of political stuff, at least on stage. Like I, you know, I, right now, cause everything is so political, everything is politically charged. You know, you have, you know, people who are like super duper woke where no matter what you say, it's like, I don't. Okay. Uh, but it was funny, you know, or like you have people who are super duper conservative, like even bringing up the idea of like, hey, thanks for being vaccinated. You know, I had one kid, you know, yell at me like, don't get political when I said that. And I was like, and I lost my my mind on him. I'm like, you mother, it's not political. It's science. So shut up. Wait. So, yeah, he sh- he shouted that out at a club where you he mentioned. I was just thank I was thanking people for being vaccinated. Like this was earlier, it was like in the summertime and, you know, people were just being vaxxed and, you know, comedy had come back and things are being a little bit looser in terms of regulations and all that sort of stuff. And I had some kid and he was a kid who was in his early 20s who just yelled out, don't get political. And that's when I'm like, are you what are you talking about? Well, (laughs) here's my immediate reaction. That comment, don't get political, is in itself a political comment. 
Oh and, yeah. And 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 the uh I've noticed this. The right and Nick I have no idea who this kid is, what is his affinities, affiliations are, et cetera, and so forth. But n- claiming that you don't have a position on the vaccine uh and you don't you're not upset at either fa- either group. You don't care if people they, you view it as a personal choice, so you're not going to get mad at someone who doesn't get the vaccine. That in itself, Scott Duff is a political statement, even though yes, under the sir. guise of a non-political statement. Yes, sir, it is. Well, it's because people who were who are are of that that mega ilk, you know, um, they 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 don't want to be wrong. They don't want to be compared to it's it's weird they want to have their cake and, and eat it too they, they feel like you know oh i liked i hated what trump said but i liked his policies i'm like what policies like he never passed anything you know there we are but like what the fuck is that all about and then you have you know but the, and they also don't want to still have the stain of him now that he's out of office you know, I've got the same, like, people are like, oh, they're just not listening. Like, look, you know, Fox News is full of that. You know, the whole, like, thank, when after somebody torched their Christmas tree, you know, so now it's like, now there's actually a war on Christmas. You know, it's like, it's every, every year, it's like a recycle. I was like, oh, okay, what's, what's, what is Starbucks going to put on their coffee cup this year? That's going to piss people off. It's like, uh. so yeah, so I'm going off on a tangent, but yeah, no, I think a lot of people, who are conservative, who are, you know, they've lost sight. The GOP is gone. The GOP that we knew, you know, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, gone. It is completely gone. It is now this cult of personality that's wrapped up in stupidity, pigheadedness, racism, misogyny, and bigotry. And that's all that it is. And and greed. You know, it's like these people are not... and oh, don't even get me started too. And people are just waving around that Christian flag. I'm like, oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> if you were really like the first, the first thing about Christianity is all about love. And above all these, the greatest thing is love and about loving your neighbor, loving those who are less fortunate than yourselves. Then, then get the damn vaccine. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you want to love other people, if you want to love your neighbor, then get the vaccine. How about that? Or, you know, whatever you do to the least of, of me, them, you do to me. You know, let's look after people who are less fortunate. Let's look after people who are fleeing their countries because of political unrest or because of physical danger for them. How about that? Just gets me hopping mad. You got me <laughs> mad. And it's like 10 minutes into this whole thing, Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> ah! Uh what? Yeah. Uh, that was a great riff, ladies and gentlemen. Sure. Uh, and yeah. brought back <laughs> memories of uh, sitting in that little studio, uh, WCPT, and watching you face to face doing that, uh, yeah. as opposed to virtual. Um, and one of the things that you used to do back in those days when we have our, our regular conversations, uh, more than once you would talk about your own uh, upbringing, your own family, and the, uh, the conservative Christians in your own background and the challenges uh, that posed. Uh, are those challenges uh, still existing, existing oh, uh, yeah. in the age of COVID? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. In a big way. Um, so, yeah. So I, you know, I, I, I joke uh, that, you know, during COVID, during 2020, I lost, you know, two people. I lost, you know, I lost my mom to Alzheimer's and I lost my brother to QAnon, you know, so that's kind of 
where it is. My I don't really have conservative Christians. I've got conservative people in my family, and then I have Christians, and they are not the same. You know, these are people. My sister is uh, an Episcopal priest. Uh, my and she is the the picture of of kindness, generosity, love, forgiveness, compassion, understanding. And then I there is my brother, who is barely even a picture. You know, it's it's like that's the thing. So. Yeah, it's been really, really challenging. We had to wait uh, a year to hold any sort of funeral service for my mom because she passed away uh, the end of March of 2020. So we weren't able to do anything until August of this past year. So, and we had all been, you know, my sister and her husband had been vaccinated. My niece and her husband had been vaccinated and they had a a baby. So they had basically like a, almost a one-year-old kid. My my nephew and all of us were vaccinated except for my brother. My brother refused to get vaccinated. Here's the kicker. He, (laughs) he, (laughs) he, he refused to fly from Vegas to St. Louis because he didn't want to wear a mask that long. Yeah, so he drove, he drove three days from Vegas to St. Louis because he didn't want to wear a mask. Bitch was a scuba diver. (laughs) Come on, dude, dude. All right. You wore a fucking mask all the time. You were a catcher. That's when you played baseball. You were a catcher. You wore a mask then. You were a Marine. Dear Lord, you've been through much more uncomfortable situations than having to wear a little paper thing over your face for two hours. Ah. So yeah. you've had more exposure uh, to, uh, to MAGA than I have. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Uh, I pretty much stay away from it. This this kind of what I call illogic, and this is so much of what I do uh, journalistically these days. Scott is to look for the logic with with well, pretty much anybody that's on the other side political than me, but definitely uh, Mag. I see no logic, so maybe you can help me. So when you look at someone like your brother, who you just said uh, was a scuba diver, so he wore a mask. Was a catcher, so he wore a mask. Uh, was in the military, uh, so he was uh, jabbed all the time. I'm sure he didn't ask or question the jabs that were going into his arm. Uh, what do you think is motivating him uh, when he takes a stand against the mask to protect him and others from COVID? Uh, uh, Breitbart and YouTube. That I mean, it, it's dumb. I don't get it. I've asked him, I'm like, why aren't you getting it? He's like, it just doesn't feel right. I'm like, well, what, is, what does that mean? I, yeah, we, yeah. And, I mean, it's just, it's weird. I have no idea. I can't, he can't explain himself, at least to any sort of satisfactory, in any sort of satisfactory way uh, to me. Um, yeah, we've kind of stopped talking. Like I, Like I said, I've pretty much lost him as a brother. I don't wish to hang out with him. I don't, uh, choose to necessarily engage with him unless it's like absolutely necessary. It's, it's, it's weird. It's really, really weird. And so could you find comedy in that? Kind of like I've I've got, you know, I've got, you know, it's, 
like I was joking, you know, the whole thing about like losing mom to Alzheimer's, lost my brother to QAnon, you know, it was, it's been a really hard four years, you know, family gatherings are really challenging. On one hand, you have somebody whose, you know, brain is slowly deteriorating. They're easily distracted by loud sounds and shiny objects, and it's impossible to have a conversation with them. And then on the other hand, you have my mom who was just delightful, you know, and she was the one with Alzheimer's. You know, so it's like it's you can't talk to him. You just can't. It's 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 hard to find the funny, when, especially when it's just so. When it's you're trying to figure out how how in the world did we come from the same person? <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. it, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, and it's and a lot has. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, did you ever feel to that point? How do we? come from the same person do you ever think that there's a moment where you might a, a switch may flip and you may be like him politically no. is, that, is that even like a fear in the back of your like, no scary? oh no not at all not at all you know i mean I, i'm all about like politically i'm all about looking at like we are it is supposed to be the United States of America. We are all in this together. It's like, that's the thing that I keep that, that I feel like is missing so much these days. You know, I, I remember just, there are times when the country came together and regardless of differences or, or political views, you know, we're talking about like, you know, I, I remember, you know, the 17, like 1976, the bicentennial. I was really young at that time, but I just remember like, Everybody was just so jazzed. It's like, look, we're 200 years old and we're coming around to celebrate this. So we had that moment of celebration. And then I also felt it like in the 84 Olympics, you know, that were in Los Angeles and we were, did such an incredible job. And, you know, we were, everybody came around each other and then 9-11 happened and we are, you know, Again, regardless of political stance, we all came together to mourn and grieve as a country. I don't feel like that happens anymore. That does not happen. I feel like half of the the country, it we are split and truly, truly split. So I feel like when something like George Floyd happens, uh, half of the country mourns and the other half not necessarily celebrates, but they attack the people who are mourning or find fault with why they are mourning. And I feel like that is a huge, huge place where we are right now. I can't ever imagine switching ideology. Yeah. You know, because to me, the Republican Party, again, right now, it stands, it just stands for greed and money. Like, I don't get it. I, my, my biggest question that I, that I have for like Mitch McConnell to hold up legislation or, you know, whoever it is. I know it's all about a grab for power, but my biggest question has been and remains to be to what end, like what exactly are you trying to do? Are you going to be happy when women can no longer have autonomy over their bodies? Are you happy when queer people can no longer get married? Are you happy when you suppress black people from having the right to vote? Like, I don't, I don't like, what is the end game? Like, is it for us to become handmaid's tale? Is that what they want? Is that what they're looking for? Like, I, I, 
I don't see the end game. If the end game for them is for that minuscule percent percentage of the 1%. And it's all about greed and money and power. Well, well put, that was a great riff. Um, yeah. Uh, you, uh, you talked about um, uh, the notion of uh, getting in trouble uh, for woke, woke trouble, I think is how you said it. Uh, yeah. And uh, we've also talked, you mentioned uh, the right uh, with uh, how they turn everything no matter if it's supposed to be, it could be thing that bring the country together. You know, it, it eventually becomes something that divides the country. Uh, and I want to follow both of those up. So I'll start with the second one first. Uh, when the Jesse Smollett verdict came down, I, we'd been talking a lot about Jesse Smollett uh, on the show. Uh, it's an obsessive topic of mine in many in many areas. I think it's fascinating insights into what's going on in Chicago right now. Uh, but one of the things I was curious about uh, was how would the right use this? How would MAGA use this? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I knew. Oh, they already are. Yes. Yeah. They already <laughs> came out. They already did. As soon as the verdict came out, they were pulling up all these old clips of like Vice President Harris when she was a presidential campaign, tweeting out support of Jesse, of pulling out um, clips of then Ellen Page, now Elliot Page, uh, totally uh, messing with the clip again of, of, of I'm going to say her because it was Ellen at the time, but but Elliot Page taking his words out of context and not providing a thing showing that, you know, Stephen Colbert supports They're They're using all these people's support when, when the incident first came out about people speaking out about this, because we were all duped. We all believed like why we had no fathom, like why in the world would Jesse Smollett, a successful, talented man on a hit TV show, lie about something like that or stage it. Like that just was the first thing because, you know, as a rule, we are taught when a victim comes out and says, you believe, you believe the victim. So MAGA has taken all of these old clips and turned them against like saying, look, they're the ones who are trying to divide the country. They were in support of this. It's like, no, 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 no. They were in support of him when this first thing, when it first happened, this is all within like a day or two of the incident. Now, when uh, information started coming out, there was a little bit more like, oh, well, this doesn't, he probably lied about this and this didn't really happen. And then more information came out like, oh, he actually knew the guys and he hired them. And it, it maybe allegedly had a little hanky panky in a bathhouse, you know, like, <laughs> of course, everyone's like, this sucks. But what they're also forgetting is that Trump was asked in the press room of the White House to weigh in on the Jesse Smollett. And he said it was terrible. It was a horrible thing. So they're picking and choosing. So the MAGA, MAGA heads, they, they have gone back and they plucked things from obscurity from right after the incident, before any infor extra information came out, just going on what was reported that Jesse Smollett was attacked uh that a rope was tied around his neck and bleach was thrown on him in the streets of Chicago. And people were reacting to that as they should. And then the more details came out. So it's, it's just this weird sort of like 
anger machine. I don't like that's that's where it is. I mean, I get it. We're all angry. Everybody's angry, but it just seems more like the 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 GOP is angry that you aren't more like them in terms of that you aren't white and straight. Like that's what it is. And then it seems like progressives, Democrats, people on the left are angry because they're not more like us in terms of being open and kind and compassionate. Like there's this weird, like looking out for your fellow man, that sort of thing. So yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Meg has already taken it. Meg has already taken it. And, they, uh, but they haven't done anything with it. Like nothing happened. Who cares? Yeah. Like, it no, was a barely a blip anywhere else. Uh, yeah. It, and I just wrote this in my column, so it's fresh in my mind. MAGA uh, is using it to uh, raise money. And as I always yep. say. Uh, uh, well, so. and that's like, that's all that they do. Like that, the Lauren Boberts and the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, that's all they do is they say outlandish shit and try to make money off yeah. of it. And it's that's successful. it. Uh, all right. You, let's get to woke trouble. You made an allusion to uh, as a comedian saying something that would get you in trouble with woke. I have a lot of fun making fun of people uh, who use woke uh, as a term of derision. But uh, as a comedian, how do you view this? Uh, are there uh, things that you find yourself not saying because you're afraid of saying them wrong and offending somebody and then getting into a Twitter battle? Uh, yeah, no. Actually, no, I'm not. Because, I mean, I kind of know whenever I perform i usually tend to uh punch up uh are you familiar with that comedy term of punching up you know as opposed to punching down to people who like whose status is below you i tend to go for the people who have power and to go for things like that um i i do think but then this also this ties into dave Chappelle that you want to talk about uh is the fact that Right now, you there are people who can be offended by anything, by anything and everything, you know, because they choose to be. I, uh, I I'm trying to frame this in a in a very thoughtful way, but I don't know how that how that is. Yeah, I just think that it's like I personally don't have a problem with it, but I I've you can watch audiences turn off uh i've watched people leave sets from other comics because they tend to be a little bit more edgy um yeah well i just think i think a lot of it's just people have lost their sense of humor around things all right certain uh, things yeah in terms of Chappelle, yeah which we talked about a lot in the show uh for the last um, it hasn't been in a while but it pretty much for a while i would tell every guest that comes on <laughs> that moment, talking you know, about all right, we're going to be talking about Chappelle today. Get ready. And someone would beg off. Do I got Yeah. And I listen, I, I cannot lie. I must tell the truth. Uh-oh, whatever I say this, I go into my Barack Obama invitation. Dennis makes fun of me. Uh, <laughs> I cannot lie. Uh, uh, but um, I, I was late to uh, the David Chappelle party. I, I um, wasn't watching a lot of TV in the, in the late 90s, early 0s. Uh, I was really heavily into uh, raising kids, so I wasn't paying a lot of attention. And then when I discovered Dave Chappelle, I fell hell, 
uh, head over heels in love with the guy, and I was obsessively watching his bits on YouTube. Uh, so I feel as though I've seen everything that Dave Chappelle has done that everybody else has seen. It just took me a while to get to it. Uh, and so it just struck me as uh, strange that people were like waking up to the, the fact that Dave Chappelle could be offensive. And right. Like, Did you guys not hear his <laughs> Michael Jackson jokes? <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. His things about getting AIDS and chasing chimpanzees and monkeys. And I mean, like, this guy was offensive. But yeah. we're all yeah, laughing. Yeah, yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, and now some people aren't laughing anymore. And well, I'm just to go, to, okay. Go ahead. To go off of your example. Mm -hmm. So, Michael Jackson jokes. That's a clear example of punching up. All right. You're going after somebody who is a in the public. So like a public figure, open game. Also somebody who was incredibly wealthy, incredibly influential, incredibly talented, you know, like all of these things. So that is where like you go after the people who have the higher status. Now, conversely, what he got into all this trouble with was going after trans folks, particularly trans women who arguably is not higher status. It is not punching up. It is going after a community that has been marginalized and targeted more than many other communities. So that that's, that's kind of where I have the problem. Like that's part of it. Also, his his he seems to have this bizarre obsession with trans folks, and I can't tell if it's just that he's he keeps because he it's it's not just the last special that he got in trouble with. It was it's, he talks about it frequently and at length with a lot of like often. So it's a subject that he keeps returning to, which makes me either believe that a he really believes these things that he is transphobic and that he does not support this community and and he does not believe that they should exist and have a, the equal rights that everybody is guaranteed or he's just doing it because he knows it'll push buttons and that it will you know get clicks or viewers or whatever it is which if you don't believe it then why say it you know what i mean like that that's my big thing that is that's my big issue with with yeah with with that whole situation well uh i i think there's a third element he thinks it's funny i think that dave Chappelle, when he started it thought it was funny he thought the concept of a quote-unquote man uh in a dress uh and the dress flashes open and you see a penis he thought that was funny and when he did that he was he was like echoing like a fifth grader or an eighth grader in uh, a cafeteria. Yeah, and, but uh, the and thing is, but he's not a fifth grader or an eighth grader in a cafeteria. The thing about Dave Chappelle is he is so freaking smart and he is so talented. Like he really is. Like he's incredible. He's one of the greatest comics of our time, like that we've had in a very long time. His show, 846. Did you check? Did you see that one? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Holy I've shit. I've seen them all, man. Like <laughs> that was like, yeah. Yeah. And like 846 was incredible. That was his response to, you know, to the George Floyd murder. And it happened during the lockdown. And he had, he had a private show 
on his property in Ohio and he had people there socially distanced and he was really responsible and he had stuff to say and it was great. Again, my whole thing is that he's, if he's coming around, like he keeps bringing up the subject of transness and gender and all of that sort of things. And if he is people, because of his, because of where he is, because of who he is, where he lies in, in our cultural ladder and in the zeitgeist, people listen to him, people listen to him and what, whether it's funny or not and people, it, it matters. It just, it matters. So, you know, I defend, he has every right to say whatever he wants to say, you know, I don't have to watch it. You know, I don't have to contribute to it. It's, it's also weird where you have like a platform like Netflix who is really, really, really trying to, you know, they, they keep spouting about how like diversity, equity, inclusion, like those are all the buzzwords these days, you know, across many platforms, you know, when it comes to either like, you know, in the media or, you know, even corporate, you know, the corporate world, people are looking for diversity, equity, inclusion. But when you have a company like Netflix, who is like trying who claims that they spout that, and then they have a big payout for somebody who is attacking, a, you know, a really small part of the, of the company, of the country, you know, granted, you know, it's a small population, but this is also a population that is has th- some of the mo- most intense struggles, you know. So I don't know. It's 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 like a weird thing. Like I said, he's so smart, so funny. He is the goat. He is the goat. But you think so? I, I think he is. I think he's one of those up there that's really. He will go down as one of the greatest comics. But the goat, I think. The goat is the greatest. Well, not the goat. Well, yeah. I know. The greatest. I don't the greatest. Know. That was the a generational the, thing. I'm older than Scott, so I'm like, hey, what about Joan Rivers, okay? Well, well now Joan Rivers, now, there's a, I got to see her in Tunica, Mississippi at a casino. Oh, wow. She was amazing. She did not stop moving. She was in her 70s. She was really, really physical. And at the end, she gave me a plant. Whoa. Why she you? just just because, I don't know. She grabbed a plant off the stage, like they they're not gonna use these here. Take this. <laughs> she gave it. Uh, I just that was the first name that popped in my mind. But I I um uh in addition to watching old Dave Chappelle Chappelle Pitts, uh I get in these uh, YouTube trances, uh Scott. It would be like two hours, and I go, Oh my god, two hours of my life has been watching YouTube clips. But I mean, I go Rodney Dangerfield, uh Red yeah. Fox, Joan Rivers. Oh, I mean, oh, come on. I think if you're going to go the the goat, I don't know, Richard Pryor, man, you know, uh, it's got to be up there. But uh, no, Dave Chappelle, come on. I mean, he, he he's up there. Yeah, he might not there. be the goat, but he, he is of he's of the goats. Yeah. <laughs> you <so> know. <laughs> uh, all right. So here's something that I thought of you when the Dave Chappelle thing was going on. And I'm so yeah. glad you're here. Uh, so so much fun talking to you, Scott. I, we, I chiding myself for not uh, doing a better job of inviting you on the show over the last year. All right. Um, you were the one who turned me on to Hannah Gatsby. And yeah. this was way back when in the old studio. And you go, you haven't heard of Hannah Gatsby. <laughs> <laughs> I go, sorry. Uh, and then I went out and watched her. I go, oh, my God, she's funny. And yeah. And Dave Chappelle, she criticized Chappelle. So now Chappelle's like, you're not funny, Hannah Gatsby. And there's a lot of people out there go, she's not funny. I don't think she's funny. 
I think she's funny, and I, I love her art too. lectures. She's really smart too. I know she's really smart. She's yeah. really, really smart. I don't know. I mean, again, here's the thing: comedy it's so hard because funny is subjective. You know what? Like what makes you laugh might not make me laugh. You know, my boyfriend. He can watch America's Funniest Home Videos and just be <laughs> cackling for hours. And I'm like, I, you are a smart human being. What the hell is going on here? You know, it's like it's a football in the groin. Whatever. Great. That person fell down. Hilarious. You know, but that doesn't really strike me funny. But like he loves it. He thinks it's hilarious. So I think it all comes down to subjectivity. And it's, but it's subjective. You know, and then... And, it's also again Dave Chappelle. Like, is he saying it because he really means it, or is he saying it to get clicks? Yeah. Right now, we're in a click click world. There's so many people in the comedy world who are um, who are moved ahead, move forward, just because they've got really clever TikToks. You know. Oh, yeah. But then when it comes to like performing live, they don't really have the chops to do it. Yeah. You know, as opposed to people like Dave Chappelle and like Hannah Gadsby, who both have the sense of humor. They also have the chops, you know, they're able to, they're just both charming and engaging in performers. Yeah. So whenever they're there, you're like, you're sucked in. Uh, yeah. I, uh, maybe one day they'll do a show together. Who knows? Anything. Ah, could you imagine that? No. And who opened? <laughs> oh my God. Well, you, I'm sorry, Hannah. You, you're the opener. I just, that's me. I, here, I put it out there. Well, well there we go. Okay. I mean, right. uh, I put it out there. Uh, all right. Uh, you mentioned something else to me. We're talking comedy now. And you said something that uh, you find uh, a little irritating, I think, uh, is ageism in comedy. And I had a laugh when you said it because you're much younger than me. Uh, but hey, man, ageism is a real deal. Ladies it's a general. real deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not just in the comedy world, not just in the comedy world, just across the thing. But ageism yeah. is a real thing. You know, I'm uh, I'm I'm approaching a big birthday uh, coming up. I'm going to be the big five zero, which is yeah, wow. That that was a lot of fives that were just falling across <laughs> the screen there, folks. You're missing. Uh, you're missing the whole. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was five. Maybe. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I think it all depends. Again, I think with it falls into celebrity and falls uh, and all that sort of stuff figures into it too. But like, you know, I've noticed that for folks, you know, I'm, I like to consider myself, I'm pretty well established in the comedy scene here in Chicago. People know me, they like me. They think it's great. Um, when I get up there be, and I say my age, I can see people like actively tuning out, turning off their minds and sitting back like, what is it like mm, whatever this guy doesn't know me he doesn't like i can't relate to him like that's that whole thing um and i can't tell if it's because I, I told you like i met with like one of two two looks it's either pity or suspect <laughs> you know it's yeah. like oh look at that old guy who's up there telling jokes that's so sad he's so oh that's you know it's pathetic you know like oh he thinks he's doing he thinks he's a that whole vibe yeah. uh or suspect they're just like what are you gonna tell me old man <laughs> people fucking call me boomer i'm like stop it i'm not i'm gen x you know it's like that okay boomer fad that was going around for a while Ugh, drove me crazy but it's just think that they they you know they're they're <laughs> suspicious because i'm a white dude 
of a certain of like of 50 years. And it's like, what are you going to say that like, what are you going to tell me that's going to make me or how do you know my life? So it's this weird thing. And conversely, I have noticed that like when, when some women get up and say their age, it's more of like a, you go girl, you <laughs> fight for your dream and you do it, you know, like that whole vibe. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm not saying that there's necessarily a double standard because women have this definitely the shorter end of the stick, you know, for so many different things, you know, but there's definitely like, oh, it's interesting. So yeah, so just trying to navigate the whole comedy world and trying to be like, where do I, like the whole idea of perceived relevance. That's, a, that's the thing. It's like, oh, what you're going to say, I can't relate to. It's like, no, I'm just going to, Talk about stupid things. So, you know? so you never do uh, make fun of millennials or Z's in your comedy? No, no, because that's mostly who the audience is, you know. And if I mean, <laughs> even I'll more reason to them. make fun of them. Yeah, but I'll make fun of them for being stupid as opposed to being young. You know what I mean? It's like that's what I'll make fun of them. But like, you know, you can't really control your age or where you know what generation you're born into. I'll I'll go after some behavior, maybe. Yeah, you know. Or the fact that I had some dumb kid yelling out, like, don't get political. Like, it's about a vaccine. Shut up. It's science. <laughs> no. Dummy. Uh, don't get political. Oh, my God. I'm gonna, uh, I think I may get a whole newsletter out of that. That is, uh, that's so political uh, in its own, it's just its own right. It's like the yeah. notion that you know, somehow or other, getting the vaccine is a political statement. And calling attention to the fact that you got the vaccine is political statement. Have you watched the NBA lately, gentlemen? Half the the Bulls team shut down. Ten guys, they have COVID. The Bulls. I don't know if you follow this. I know you're not a big uh, sports fan, Scott. Yeah, but I mean, who are you talking to? What the? (laughs) Like, who? Come on. Yeah, but that they they they've suspended uh, play uh, because they don't have enough players uh, for the roster. So uh, it's out there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, all right. You, uh, you asked, uh, to say a few things about the holidays before we close. The holidays are right around oh, the corner. Yeah, no. yeah. Uh, well, just, how are you doing? Are you, so you're in, you're in California now. Yes, are you I'm there through Angeles. the holidays? Yes. I came out here. Uh, my, my daughters live in LA, both of them. And uh, I have a granddaughter. Uh, so I'm a grandfather now. And my wife and I, we really, we're older than, if you think Scott Duff is old, oh You're my old goodness. old as dirt. Oh. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm a great uncle right okay. now, so so uh, I'm with you. Yeah, you're there too. So yeah, that we all get together. It's a lot of fun. I, I, I really like it here a lot. And I do this uh, show uh, remotely from a corner of a room. If you, I'm going to send you the photo when I'm done. You'll be laughing your ass off. I'm sitting literally on a refrigerator. <laughs> that's where i am and uh so yeah um yeah i know i just think so yeah. here's my question for you the, i like the holidays have changed like for me personally you know last year was a big year with covid and everything we were kind of locked down not able to be with family I wasn't able to be with family the year before because i was doing a show couldn't get away because of rehearsal schedule and all that sort of stuff so like trying to navigate the holidays or create new traditions uh, around them. Like that's kind of one thing that I, that I'm looking to do because I think, you know, as a kid, everybody's like, you know, the magic of Christmas, 
oh, that is magic, you know, and it's great because you're a kid and you've got nothing else to compare it to. And you spend your entire life, your entire adult life trying to recapture the magic of the season. You know, like when you have your own kids, you create your own stuff or, or whatever. But even as the kids grow up, you know, what do you do? So I think we're all just kind of trapped in this whole idea of like, you know, it's tradition. We do this. It's tradition, you know, as opposed to, well, let's do something di- like we have the same dinner. We have the same, you know, we have the same cinnamon buns every morning. We do the same thing every year. And that's great. But just because we're doing the same thing doesn't mean we're going to have the emotional attachment or the emotional response that we had so many years ago. So I think as we are entering into this holiday season, you know, look to find new ways to to uh, uh, just to uh, to celebrate. Well, uh, that's great advice. Uh, sad to say uh, the Jarofsky clan loves its rituals so yeah uh we've just i'm not, I'm not knocking rituals uh, yeah, i'm not but, knocking rituals yeah, and they're all food related uh my family uh, loves to eat and i and that's something else about scott duff ladies and gentlemen great cook uh we'll do a whole show on it we're running out of time here we can't do the whole scott duff uh cooking uh deep dive but um so this means spicy hot chinese food uh the night before christmas perfect uh perfect. <laughs> and then bagels and locks on christmas day uh, and there are Gentiles within us, so we're not just all Jewish people. There's Gentiles within us who've ab- absorbed our rituals and kind of get into them, and I like it. So I love no, I love that. I mean, I love that too. But I think what it is is, you know, for, uh, there's a certain group of people who are they just want to re- like again recapture the magic, you know, and you keep doing the same thing over and over again. It's like okay. I get the rituals. I love, listen, I got to watch. It's a wonderful life once a year. Like if I don't do it, I'll go crazy. Uh, I need it. I, so, uh, yeah, I'm with like that with the Christmas story. I love that. Uh, that's my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, on Christmas day, we see a movie and this year, uh, you already predicted it. Uh, we will be seeing West side story. Yeah, baby. Uh, <laughs> baby driver. Yeah. Baby driver. Yeah. He's playing Tony. Wow. That okay, so folks, there was a time in my life. Um, not particularly <laughs> proud of this, but whatever. It was very public. I was really into the movie Baby Driver. And I go, I love Baby Driver. And it's a good uh, movie. I've seen it mm, I'd seen it well, at least five times. It's it's hard to say. Have you seen if you only watch a movie, a half of a movie, Scott, does that count as seeing it? Do you follow? Yeah, sure. Okay, well, sure. that's probably in double figures. Right. You know what I mean? I went, oh, I got to watch a little baby driver. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the opening of the Equalizer over Denzel movie. I, 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 at least a dozen times I've seen the. Anyway, so um, we, I didn't know that yeah. the actor who played Baby Driver, whose name I don't even know, who's really it's cool. It's like Ansel Elsort, I yes. think is his name. He's a good dancer, too. So really looking Yeah, that surprised the crap out of me. Oh, really? Well, he had good moves yeah. in Baby Driver. You didn't see Baby Driver. I did see Baby Driver, but I didn't. See- We're not talking like Jerome Robbins Broadway <laughs> dancing kind of moves, Mr. Man. No, we're not. No. He had nice little smooth moves. Like he had little smooth moves walking down the street. It was really great. I loved that movie. I'm with you All right, on here that. here you go. Here's your question. No ducking and dodging. Who's a better dancer? 
the baby driver actor who plays Tony at West Side Story or John Travolta? Oh, different kind of dancing. I don't know. I've never, I mean, that's I don't know. Dodge, ladies and gentlemen. That, no, no. That's looking for qualification here. Okay, okay. Are we talking about just free form, getting your groove on kind of dancing kind of vibe? Or are we talking like Broadway Jerome Robbins, Jerome Robbins kind All of All right, I'm talking about being cool while walking down the street. Oh. To the music. Are you talking, spe- are you talking specifically Saturday Night Fever? Heck yeah. The opening okay, scene so that- with the paint can as he's walking yeah, down yeah, the street. Yeah. Well, that was more strutting. Yeah. That was just strutting. That was a good, confident strut, sexy yeah. strut from Travolta there. I have and Baby I Driver. I've this many times. I've seen Saturday Night Fever. Mm, well, that one double a twenty, at least in the twenties, in terms yeah. of just like every now and then watching it, bits of it. And I've said this, and I uh, I love John Travolta dearly, but John, I'm sorry if I were judging the dance contest, you wouldn't even finish second. You finished third. There were at least two dancers in that dance contest better than you. Yeah, oh, I yeah. said it. There wow, you. wow. Controversial. Hot takes on the Ben Jarofsky show over here. Whoa. <laughs> you think that'll get me clicks just like Dave That'll Chappelle? get you clicks right there. Yeah. Fuck you, John Travolta. <laughs> you can't dance. <laughs> I didn't say that. Well, now, that's distortion. There's <laughs> the other guys. You uh, get third, Travolta. <laughs> All right, we've yeah, run out no. of time. Oh, uh, damn. Scott, that was let's fast. close by promoting everything again in case they yeah. forgot it from the opening. Go ahead. Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, you can listen to me every Sunday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Time on WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk. Also, if you're in Chicago, you can check me out uh, at least every third Sunday of the month at the Venus Cabaret Theater where I host a comedy night. Uh, with some of Chicago's best talents here. Also, you can follow me on Instagram at Scott Danger Duff because Danger is my middle name. Uh, and uh, he's also an excellent cook, as I said. I think the next time yeah. we'll take the deep dive on cooking with Scott Duff. It's pretty funny stuff. He's, he, you haven't done one in a while. At least I haven't seen it, but the Facebook uh, cooking shows that you were doing during the pandemic. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I stopped. The, I, you know, dead mom you know racial Fair unrest enough. it was really sad so i had to take a break All right, but I'm hopefully we'll be coming back with it uh my wife and I, my wife was really the huge fan of those she yeah loved- you can check them out on youtube scott duff cooking stuff all right very good uh that's scott duff i'm ben jarofsky take care everybody mm-hmm.